like 10 seconds just so it buffers because sometimes when it records, you know, high definition. So I think we're good. So, what's up, world? Oh, yeah. It's Amon Rock. We are on the Upgrade America podcast. We got CJ Dayslayer, and I am thrilled and excited to have my dear cousin Marcus Ward here. He is a certified pilot, big influence in, in my life. Uh, it put me on a, a lot of literature and um, just really taught me to, to free my mind at an early age, and, and I'm grateful for that. So, CJ, I, I want to give you a question real quick before I further introduce okay. markets. Cool. Do you know the, the stages of matter? No. <laughs> like, well, you talking about like, uh, solid, liquid, and then you can guess the last. There's actually two more. Was it gas, solid, liquid? Um, and there's an additional one. Most people really? think there are three. Marcus taught me, and when I was in seventh grade, that there are four. Oh. Totally pissed off my science teacher because <laughs> he couldn't break it down. But it's, the fourth one is plasma. But this guy. Uh, would that be considered energy, basically? Um, there is all matter is equals mc squared. Okay. Like energy is equivalent to matter times the speed of light squared. So mass okay. is pretty much it, it is energy. Yeah. But now nah, this guy is he's a genius, man. All right. Now nah, I'm, I'm I'm thrilled to have him on the show, man. I'm blessed to be on the show, man. <laughs> cool, man. One day he was just like, "Yo, I'm gonna become a pilot." <laughs> hanging out in Germany or something. That was uh, maybe that was when you told me and you're like yeah I'm gonna become a pilot and then he just did it and then he's like yeah I'm a pilot no you're like I'm in flight school and I'm a pilot so that's what's up <laughs> was it Germany that, yeah that was a while ago it, it might have been I don't know where we because uh, that's where we that. crossed well I, I just I can't remember a lot of Germany for uh, for obvious reasons <laughs> yeah reasons that we don't get into. <laughs> We understand. Party with this Trust guy. Me. Partied with this guy in a uh, in knock shift. We had a great Whoa. time. Whoa! Your birthday. We uh, we celebrated your. Was it my birthday or your birthday? It was my birthday. Oh, yeah, he remember that yeah, part. <laughs> oh man! Wild night. Wild night with this guy. Fun times. Oh, oh. oh crazy nights, man. <laughs> I, I, I got I got one question before we roll into the to the whole. Um, you say uh, aeronautical um, aviation questions, but James Bond, new James Bond, it's supposed to be 007 is is going to be a female? What are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts are, from what I know of the story, James Bond is still James Bond. It's not yes. going to be Daniel Craig. Okay. Um, but there's going to be a double, uh, an agent 007 that's uh, a black female. Uh-huh. Um, that's about all I know, really. And that's about all I know as well. My understanding is James yeah. Bond is retiring, like he's leaving the service. However, 007 is just a rank; it's a position. So that position is now going to be filled by a female. I'm just curious on, on your thoughts. So, uh, I grew up with James Bond. Yeah, yeah. me too. Why it can't be? There's there's so many female. Uh, service operatives you know in in the intelligence services mm-hmm. but i don't see why it can't be a female i don't see why it can't be a black female why, why couldn't she be 008 or like 006 <laughs> or like why I think, I think the story was that maybe he retired or he's leaving or something or got dismissed yeah. and then his code name is now reassigned he just goes back into service he's not going to retire 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, isn't that like Michael Jordan putting his number on the, you know, take taking out? Or, or can they do that? Can there be a a twenty three on this on the Chicago Bulls? Uh, I don't know if they retired his number yet. They might have retired it already. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not every sure how that then, how that works. Every, every now and then the video freezes, so if I'm quiet, it's probably just because it's frozen and I'm waiting for it to catch up again. Oh, okay, okay. that's that, cool. May have some uh connectivity uh some lagging but we'll make we'll make do okay i got one real quick question Even about that, the james bond mi6 listening in oh yeah they listening they're like oh <laughs> you're talking about our operatives now? <laughs> <laughs> no i had a question for NSA, you so go ahead nah i want to know why didn't they pick idris yo like what was the deal with that he'd have been a perfect 007 this drive me crazy um, I, I don't know. I, I think he'd make a good 007. Yes, that yeah. drove me crazy. <laughs> like, what the hell? I think he would make a good 007. Yes. I don't know. It's, uh, there's, there's, there could be more to it than just um, the obvious. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't have a clue. I just wondering, man, like how y'all felt about that because it drove me I'm insane. Curious. I'm curious where they're taking the franchise. Like, I've, I've been rocking with James Bond since Sean Connery, you know? Like, Same hit. <laughs> the man with the golden gun. Huh? But, you know, I'm sure they won't drop the ball. I'm just curious to see how, how they're going to take it. So let me find these questions. CJ, if you got one in the meantime, shoot. Okay, how do you feel about um, UAVs as a pilot? How do you feel about them generally? What's your attitude toward, like, towards them? Um, well, I have a few. I've probably got one or two. You have drones? Somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got drones. Oh, toy, toy drones. How are you with those, man? I was the first guy to buy when when like the little toy drones came out. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was the first guy to buy one. Yeah, just a little. Now I got one for my son, and I'm an awful scripted. pilot. He can fly it pretty good. Okay. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, drones are fine. Drones are fun. They're a good hobby. Um, they just need to be licensed uh, and for me as a pilot mm-hmm. they are probably my biggest fit in terms of like getting stuck in the engine or something sorry like the how'd you say they could get sucked in the engine or, or something I can't see it's frozen oh uh, yeah you're frozen on my end so. I don't know if you can still see me or hear me we can hear you you're just frozen We'll keep rolling. We're good. Let me stop and maybe moving and maybe it will catch up. Hey, Marcus, can you hear me? Nah. I think we lost him. Did we? Yeah, we might have. So we'll stop this one. Oh, he's frozen, yeah. Yeah. Are you guys still there? Yeah, we yeah. hear you. Yes. Hey, Marcus, can you hear me? Okay. I mean, I can't see either of you. No. Right, okay. So we gonna keep it going, or like, man, uh, recall, do the call thing again? Let me, um, yeah, let me.
Yeah, finally got my camera working, and then it, ah, man, technology. Yeah, true. And it is going overseas, too. Yeah. I don't know. Could you guys still hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I can still hear you. I don't think you can hear us. Yeah. I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't see anything. It was frozen. Okay. What I was trying to say was that for me personally i think uavs are probably the biggest threat to aviation at the moment mm. because the sort of uh threats can be countered quite easily whereas i think any crazy person that wanted to cause some destruction or, or terrorism can do so with a uav quite easily and, and i've considered that as well well, recently, I think Heathrow Airport, Heathrow Airport is only a few miles from where I live. And mm-hmm. it was shut down, I think, for one day or two days. And that's one of the busiest airports in the world. Um, it's the busiest in this country. And the second busiest airport over here is Gatwick. And that was definitely shut down for dr- for drones. Um, I think one guy had a wow. drone and then sort of just put it over, over the area. So all flights had to be suspended while that happened because it's... Uh, it's a risk to flight safety. So, look, can I ask you real quick? What is the the protocol or security protocol for that? Like, because um, you really gotta consider that one drone is causing delays and probably thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of be, because of this. Is like security authorized to shoot these things down or what? Um, well, I guess I don't know. Because uh, talking about that, they were talking about using snipers to shoot it down. Uh... That they wouldn't be authorized to do that because it could cause damage to people or objects on the ground when it comes down. Yeah, so that's true. I mean, was I don't know what the actual security protocols are. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know to be honest. I, I don't think a lot of airlines um, have developed protocols. So this is still uh, this now that you mentioned that that is a. The drone industry, it's, it's only uh, on the incline, and it's, yeah. this is something that we need to consider. Now, in Washington, D.C., like, you can't fly a drone no. at all. Like, there's a, you can't have it in their airspace. It's pretty strict. Oh, you yeah. guys are frozen again. Yeah, I think so, too. So, can you hear me? Uh, there you go. Hello? Yeah, uh, we see you. Back. Yeah, we hear you. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm sorry, you were saying, like, uh, how these are a, a your the biggest threat you perceive? Yeah, that's what I think. Um, there are they have written new laws. So over here, I think you're not allowed to have a drone more than it's either four or five hundred feet. I can't remember the actual law, but I, I think it might be five hundred feet. You can't you can't fly it higher than five hundred feet from the ground, and you can't have it go like more than or closer than five hundred feet to a person, vehicle, or animal. Um, it's it's stuff that's being written. That was the law when I was doing my flight training about um, light aircraft. So, you know, you can take off and land, obviously, and you can go as low as you want, but you can't go within 500 feet of a person or a vehicle or a vessel um, or an animal when you're flying um, private planes. Okay. So I think they've basically implemented that into the drone law hmm. for the moment. Now, my understanding is that there is a 
you mentioned being registering drones, right? But my understanding is there's an aviation test that you have to take to be be a certified drone pilot, and it's similar, or it has some of the same aspects as a as a as a conventional pilot test. I don't actually. I'm not familiar with that. Okay. I'm not it's, sure they were, they were talking about that. I know they're talking about bringing it in, but I don't know if it's brought in over here yet or if it's something that's on the horizon. That's very interesting because I know there is a, a goose or there's birds or something like that that brought down planes before from getting sucked into an engine. You know, like um, yeah, they're 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 a Hudson, that birds. And maybe just about six weeks ago there was one in Russia. Oh wow, that's uh, a. <laughs> So how how common is this? Like does that occur often or like? Because I've heard about it and I said it heard it uh, happen again. Like I've lost camera. Your video has gone, but I think you asked how common what bird strikes are. Was that the question? Yeah. Yeah. How often does it occur? Um, I've had one. I've had a bird strike. Uh, I didn't even notice it. So oh, wow. I, I did a flight. I did a flight to the. Uh, I think it was to the Canaries. So I flew the plane there. Uh, captain flew it on the way back. So when you, when the other person's the pilot flying, you're the pilot monitoring. So then you get out and you do the walk around inspection. And on my walk around, I looked in the engines as, as you always do. I just saw feathers and a bit of blood. So oh, I wow. told the engineers. So then they have to do a, a further inspection to see if there's any damage or anything like that mm -hmm. um, before they certify the aircraft and, and it can take off again so that it was it was literally nothing you wouldn't have known if i didn't see it, if i didn't use the torch and actually see what was going on uh we would have probably taken off and went back and it would have been a non-incident at all so oh, there's probably they probably occur more often than than we realize mm. um it's just the, not the enough to one, take down in here yeah, that was like a whole flock of Canada geese, and these oh. things are big. Yeah, they, they are. They, when they test engines, they fire frozen chickens into the engines. So they, they're sort of designed to not explode and damage the, the fuselage yeah. and stuff. They're designed to sort of contain the, whatever damage it is, and they're designed to fly on one engine, um, okay. or with one engine out, I should say. Got so cool, but that's one one chicken, one frozen chicken, not a whole flock of, <laughs> of geese, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. in a situation that, that you wouldn't expect to be in. So that puts it into perspective. Yeah, but I did forget to ask how long you've been flying. Though. Me, um, I started my flight training in 2012. Uh, got my license in 2014. So, 2014 to now is five years. Nice. Five years. Cool. It must be a liberating feeling, like, to lift the aircraft off the ground and fly. Like, have you flown yeah. any, uh, do you fly any, like, smaller planes for in your leisure? I haven't for a while. Since I've um, got my job, I've not actually done any light aircraft flying. I want to go back to it. It is good fun. It's probably the most freeing of all flying because you can just. I do hear that do. all the time. Yeah, I follow a guy on Instagram that flies. It's pretty fascinating. I can barely parallel park, so I'm like, I don't know if I want to try to fly a plane. You know, like, 
leave that to the professionals. But it is something that I would, I would like to, when I get the courage, I would like to try that. Perhaps you could instruct me. Uh, you, oh, one, one day I'll take you up. One day we'll go for a flight, definitely. Okay. I'll let you have a flight. That'll be awesome. So hold on. Um, we had this conversation before when you came to Queens. You were flying to JFK and you, you, you were telling me, you were discussing automation within, because pretty much you're saying like, the pilots handle the takeoff and the landing, but for the most part, automation can handle the flight. But yes. can you explain to me again, like why automation can't do takeoff and landings? Um, automation can do landings. Um, so we do have auto lands on, on most modern aircraft. Okay. Um, the reason being because landing is normally done manually uh, for a few reasons. One of them being just the runway itself. If, if, it, if every single landing was automated, mm-hmm. every plane would touch down in the same point in the runway. Mm, so the okay. runway would have like a, a sort of, it would be dipped. Gotcha. So if you do it manually... I think you take that into consideration. That makes sense. But that, that's one reason. Um, Another reason is if you can't see the runway, then you can't land. So if you're coming in and it's really thick, heavy fog, um, mm-hmm. that's when we, we do auto land. So that's when the, the airfield will usually have um, certain special operations in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll have like a, a, a different landing signal that is beamed to the plane so that the plane can track and go down and land itself now, is this uh, what you were talking about? Because yeah. I remember you told me something about a laser, like, it's not like a sensor, it's more like a, a laser or something? Um, they are, I believe they're radio radio waves, radio beams that, um, that the plane can track, then go down basically right the way to touchdown on the center line in the correct place. Um, but for an auto land, they're a bit more sensitive than just for a normal landing, because normally landing, I'll take, you know, the pilot flying will take the autopilot out and mm-hmm. manually land by visual, using visual reference. Um, but in an auto land, because it's a lot more sensitive and visibility is usually an issue, they have other planes that are going to line up to the runway to take off. They're okay. held back a lot. More. So they have to be held away from the runway, away from the sort of sensitive uh, beams uh, so that they don't disrupt them. Also, the planes that are going to be following me in. So generally it's about five miles um, separation between planes coming to land. So I'm not sure what the actual separation is during low visibility procedures, um, but it's, I think it can be up to about 12 miles. So the rate of landing is going to be reduced a lot. So Now is this controlled by the air traffic controller? Are they setting yeah. the ratios, the spaces yeah. with this? Okay. Yeah. So not normally here at Heathrow, a plane will take for land, I think every 45 seconds. If they've got fog, heavy fog, and it's low ability procedures, then it's gonna be a lot longer than that. Possibly every every minute and a half or every two minutes. Mm-hmm. So you don't want that when you're at a really busy airport and people wanna get going and there's a lot of aircraft movements to be made. Um, so it's not favorable to have auto lands. You want it to be manually done so that, you know, um, you can increase the rate of the traffic flow. Uh, the tape is always done manually because the takeoff, there's always going to be a decision made whether or not you're going to 
continue the takeoff or reject the takeoff mm. in certain circumstances. Now that decision so, is made by the, the the pilot, or is it again, or is this the air traffic controller? Pilot. So if you know if, if we're flying um, and you see a plane in front of you on the runway, or a van or a vehicle that's come out to inspect things, you want to stop. So oh, we stop. Um, I'm not sure. Well, at the moment, that with the auto automation that we have, there's no autopilot that could take that decision. Obviously, yeah. you know you can do certain things like have a radar in front, forward mm-hmm. looking, that can see if it's an object and it could reject the takeoff. But at the moment, we don't have that. So that's got to be manually done. Um, if you lose an engine on takeoff, or uh, if there's a fire or something, that's always a human decision whether or not you're going to risk um, taking off or risk can, um, stopping and potentially overrunning the runway. So those are the sort of decisions that you've got to make fairly quickly, um, and automation can't really do that. And it's the same with uh, just taxiing, but maneuvering the aircraft around the air, um, the air. Automation at the moment can't do that. So you start you start your your um, flight at a particular gate or stand, okay. and then you get permission from air traffic control to push back and follow a certain route to get to the runway we want to take off. Um, so it's always humans that are, that are going to be doing that. How much so communication really... is um, you communicate with the air traffic controller? A lot. So the person flying won't do any of that. There'll be the main job is just to concentrate on controlling the airplane, maneuvering the airplane, uh, the thrust levers, and the uh, flight control surfaces. Okay. Whereas the other person will be doing all the radios. So ah, they'll be doing all the talking okay. to the air traffic control, the tower, uh, various area controllers. So both will be listening. Both will have their headphones on, yeah. headsets on. But one person will be in charge of all that. The other person will find a plane. That way. You can be fairly sure um, that the plane is always under control. Cool. Hey, that's that's comforting for me. Right. So we were in the air force, but we didn't we guarded planes and you know. But like as far as flying them and every the behind the scenes, all that, I haven't the slightest idea. This is a, a great insight onto you know to aircraft. I got some more questions for you. Give me one more. Can right, I ask one? Yeah, yeah, I got one. Um, I, this is gonna go like all over the place, but how do you feel about armed UAVs patrolling the skies of the UK? Um, my first question would be why? For general civilian protection. But we don't have UAVs patrolling the skies right now, mm-hmm. and fairly safe so that, that's why I would always go back to the question of why what are they going to bring are they going to improve anything maybe or is it going to be of rights maybe um, so, so I hold know. on I, I want to inject onto and throw a scenario at you okay you mentioned about okay. those drones right and how they're the mm-hmm. biggest aviation threat so what if you had hunter killer drones like just say and god forbid this occurs but a, there is a, a drone attack by terrorists and they took down a civilian plane. How many souls are typically on board? Uh, it depends on the size of the plane. So my plane can seven, hold seven, uh, 327 seven. passengers. 327, so boom, they're, they're, they're all gone because someone flew a drone into an engine and if they had some C4 on it, boom, it's, it's, it's gone. 
So, um, you can't, like, civilian planes, my understanding, they can't shoot flares or, or anything to take down these drones. So, as, as Chris mentioned, now you have these hunter-killer drones and they're armed in the sky. Like, what would be your thoughts on that? Um... I'm not sure. I mean, I'd have to... I, it, that's a, it's a difficult one for me, because mm -hmm. I, I would only say... I would have to see a need for them to be there. So I'll, I'll further interject, right? Yeah, so you mentioned about them being registered, right? So these hunter-killer drones, they would be able to identify, uh, how do you say, registered drones. Mm -hmm. And anything mm -hmm. that's unregistered, UFOs, unidentified flying objects, gets blown out of the sky. Uh, I, again, I, 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 I've not necessarily got an opinion on the drones than all the hunter killers themselves, but my brain works differently, as you know, and I would think, okay, well, if you've got these drones out there, they're obviously electronic devices, and they could be taken control of by other people. So, so what's the thought? Take control of those and causing more That's a very good um, counter... Uh, um, that's always a possibility. You're absolutely right. Um, they're electronic, and but you gotta understand where everything is getting ready to be that, and that's why I think um, good on Trump. He has a space force, but I think we need a cyber force, like a, a, a new independent uh, branch of of the military. And I know we have the cyber command, but I think we need an entire force because everything is going digital, like our planes. There, our planes are already somehow connected to some sort of network, and I'm referring to our fighter jets. You know, and, and like Marcus said, what if this got hacked? I think we need um, to beef up our cyber game. But that's my that's my response to, to those getting getting hacked. But I don't know. I'm not saying we need it now at the moment, but it's a potential. And drones are uh, unregistered drones. There there are um, anyone can make one or purchase one you know, uh, anonymously. So as I'm not saying Chris's solution is the way to go, but it's something to consider. Oh, I'm just, I'm more concerned about civil liberties. You already know how I am. I'm just asking the question. I was kind of curious, what's the attitude and sentiment in the UK mm. versus I, I, the US? I think the general UK feeling about things like that uh, may be a bit different to the US mm -hmm. feeling because as, as you guys know we don't have um, guns available <laughs> yeah. so most Brits most mm -hmm. Europeans are very sort of anti anti guns mm -hmm. we don't really want them because well for, for there's always arguments for and arguments against I don't really want to get into that yeah. but that's the general thing Perhaps on another episode. <laughs> I would yeah. like to hear. I would like. I'm very curious to hear people's insights on that. Yeah, Plus, absolutely. Okay. Well, well, well you know, I'll invite me back. Okay. <laughs> cool. That'll work. Um. Yeah. Another time. But the basic general um, idea that I want to get across is that having hunter killer drones in the sky would be like having our police, but in the sky. So the sort of initial thoughts I think of most people would be, I don't really want that unless there's a really good reason. 
Okay. And like I said, I, I think it would take an incident of the magnitude that I described in that scenario to convince the people to convince the people um, that we, we need it. And I, I agree with you at this moment. I don't think we need such a device. However, um, what you were mentioning as far as the registration, I think we do need to find a way to identify, um, like, do drones show up as little blips on the radar? Um, they, I don't know. They may show up. If they're big enough, they may show up on primary radar. Possibly. Okay, because I, I think just at least identifying and knowing what's flying in the sky, that's a that should be a more of a primary uh, concern. But um, will we ever have electric planes? Uh, aircraft are moving to be more electric right now. So the newest two aircraft I know about are the Boeing seven eight seven and the Airbus A three fifty. Um, I'm not fully uh, conversant with the 350, um, but the 787 is definitely very electric. So, like um, hybrid, or like it doesn't need jet fuel, or it's just no, no. It still it still uses um, jet fuel, but they've replaced a lot of the other systems with uh, batteries. So that's what caused the um, initial issues with the 787 when it first got released, and there were fires. There were, I don't know if you, do you remember the fires that came out with the 787 it was grounded. I, I do recall that. Maybe it was a, a couple months ago or, or no, maybe? I think the 787 might have came out about 2011, I think. Oh, Dreamliner. Us, something else just got rolled out and these planes were, were grounded. And... I think that was by Boeing, right? Those, uh, I forgot the yeah. name of those. Yeah, they had a lot of safety <laughs> issues, a lot of yeah, crazy things going that. on. Yeah. The 77 Max, which yes. is the latest plane to be grounded. Um, again, by Boeing. Uh, I fly an <laughs> Airbus, by the way. Not that I'm saying anything about Boeing or Airbus, but just put it out there. Um, <laughs> if you recall the um, Galaxy, the Galaxy Note 9, remember the big old phones that were just blowing up. Yeah, yeah. Androids. Yeah. Yeah, that was because of similar. Yeah, it's, it's basically the same thing. So lithium-ion batteries have an issue with what's called thermal runaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. In a nutshell, it means that um, the more current that's going through or supplied by the battery, uh, the hotter it gets. The hotter it gets, the lower the resistance, and then when the resistance drops, more current goes through. So it's like, uh, um, well, that's, it's a runaway. So it just gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter, and then it catches fire or explodes. And things like impacts wow. can make that happen. So when you drop a phone or a laptop battery, you get, um, you damage the actual circuitry in the battery, and you can create, you can uh, increase the likelihood of getting thermal runaway. Uh. So I also heard if it's oxygen hits the lithium, that they, that also make some explode or something like if they're pierced or, or something along those yes. lines yeah um, that's just to do with the periodic table i don't know if you remember like back in school days there was no, exercises with like sodium in chemistry where you, you had a bit of sodium a bit of sodium metal and you throw it in water and it sort of yeah um there was a few different uh metals that are all the same family that react like that to um in water and in oxygen and lithium 
Like lithium ion batteries, an impact will reduce their um, stability. So if you think about it, you wouldn't really want to put one on a plane, would you? Which is going to land every yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So. Uh, no flying Teslas anytime soon. Sorry, what's that? No flying Teslas anytime soon. Oh no no no. <laughs> <laughs> Not for a while. Um, but what Boeing did is they, they reduced some of the systems that the engines um, took control of. So on, on a lot of conventional planes, the engines, obviously they supply the thrust, the power to get the plane moving. But they also supply pressurization from mm-hmm. the air inside. Um, so you have what's called bleed air, which runs off of the engines. It's basically like you tap some of the air from other stages of the engines and channel it into the cabin. I'm really, I'm really simplifying it. It goes through all the process. Nah, that's awesome. Yeah, perfect. That basically, just, it comes up the edge, it goes into the cabin, and it pumps, so it forces air in, and you've got a small few valves in that cabin that will open and close and open and close to keep a certain amount of pressure. So okay. it's the engines that pressurize the cabin. Um, Boeing decided that if you take the pressurization away from the engines, then they'll be more efficient, which is very true. So they came up with a Dreamliner and they took away some of the systems. I think uh, the pressurization system and maybe the hydraulics, instead of the engines running those systems, okay. batteries, they made them more electric. So mm. in that sense, the planes are becoming more electric because it makes the engines more efficient and it saves on fuel. So that's that's why the Dreamliner is such a really fuel efficient aircraft and why the, the, um, the airlines sort of grabbed it with both hands when it got released because it saves them quite a lot of money. Fuel is the biggest uh, cost to any airline. Gotcha. I can imagine. Well, that, that so kind of makes sense. You asked a good question. Yes, that is what I meant by they become more electric. Um, okay. If you were referring to more like automation electric, like um, Teslas and things, mm-hmm. I think there's still quite a way from that happening. But you, you, you brought up a very good point when you mentioned the impact and planes are also always coming down with that impact and that could how you say uh, threaten the integrity of the battery, and that's not. I would not want to be on a plane where the <laughs> the main fuel source is sparking and and in flames in the sky. Because, as you mentioned, with uh, conventional engines, you can still fly the plane on a with one engine. Or, yes. But like, if your main source of power is just like on fire. Like, I don't think that would be very good on a plane. So yeah, I guess you're right on that. True, 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 true. However, I just want to point out, um, okay. even if you lose engines, the plane's not going to fall out of the sky. You know, you, you'll still glide. Hence what Glider more yeah, on the Hudson and the the Russian guys a few months ago in the field, um, and nobody died on in both instances. Dope. So still, you know, still very safe. I have a question. So I don't know how familiar you are with the Hyperloop uh, concept with passenger travel. Um, is this like what Elon Musk was talking about? Is it like Futurama? Uh, the tubes. That- yeah, basically, <laughs> sort of. Okay, I'm not that familiar with it. Basically, overall, it's like this tube. I don't know if you ever had, I don't know if you have this at your banks where say you drive through and you can put your thing in the tube and it goes around like you described in Futurama. 
I've, I've not. I've seen it. Okay. Seen it I know, I know. My question is to you. I feel like if that became one of the main um, ways of transportation for people moving, say globally, I know they're trying to do it in the U.S., but it's a lot of corporate interest that's probably holding it up. Mm-hmm. Um, how would that affect aviation, passenger aviation for people traveling? Like moving I, I people. I want to interject and say that the speeds are supposed to be at like what? I think 800 miles an hour. I don't know what that is yeah, in kilometers. Yeah. Like maybe so, a thousand kilometers, maybe. So it's a train that's faster than a plane. Um, I don't know. I mean, all, all I can say is part of me would love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we would you know, too. Like a thousand miles an hour straight to New York. Hey, I'm here. You know, yeah. like an hour, two hours or whatever. I'd love that. However, um, I, mean, I, think, I think we're still a very long way off of doing that with people. I don't think so. Um, they're made great progress there's one in india that they're building they i'm, I'm not too sure the, the the status on that but it's in construction like they have conceptual proofs of, of concept like it's a vacuum tube right so you're there's no friction it's a train that's running with no friction more or less now, do Wait, are you talking about you talking about the actual the trains are you talking about trains or are you talking about it's it's a train that's in a it's a train that's in a vacuum tube. Yeah, basically. So it's um so it that allows it to go about eight hundred miles per hour, seven hundred to eight hundred miles per hour, ultimately making it like faster than a plane. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, cool. I've been on the the Eurostar and gone across to to Paris or London, which was yeah, great. I, I don't know. Just, and I know, I know in Japan they've got the bullet. Which yeah, I they did. Do about I did that recently. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I would. Well, Seven hundred miles though. That's uh, yo, Chris, the one they want to build in in uh, was it in Cali? Yeah. Cali. What cities did, was it gonna connect? I forgot. Just mainly Cali, cause Cali is so long. Land wise, mm-hmm. so I think it was like maybe the major cities like Oakland, San Francisco, L.A. But I would like to see that globally. I wonder what that would look like. So say New You're York to about London. Connecting to uh, continents. Yeah, that would be fascinating. That would be wild. That would be wild. It would be definitely be um, make the world smaller. Yeah. I'd like to yeah. see that too. I'm just curious from the aviation perspective because essentially it's taking a job. I feel like it would take away from your business by most people going to that option eventually. It's it may. Um, I know that they're developing a hypersonic aircraft. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's always been the next step. Since they got rid of Concorde, they never replaced that was, it. That was actually my question because I had yeah. some uh, discussions. Why? Why did they do away with the Concorde? Was it cost efficiency or was it safety? Um, a little bit of both. It was cost efficiency. Um, Although it depends who you ask. Some guys said it did make a lot of money. Some people said it actually made, I think it was about 30% of the profits of British Airways, just the Concorde. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, so it depends who you ask. But it was the safety incident that occurred in Paris with the Air France one, 
that was the final nail in the coffin for it because mm. that happened shortly after September 11. Oh. September 11, 2001. Yeah. I think the Concorde caught on fire 2003. So aviation was still sort of kind of recovering from yeah. September 11. Yeah. So people weren't really into flying supersonic at 60,000 feet on an aircraft like that after um, they saw it catch fire and it crashed and everybody died. Mm. So that, that was just the final nail in the coffin. It, it was an old aircraft. It was, a, you know, for me, it's still the best aircraft, passenger, commercial aircraft ever. But it's old. It's, 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 I think it was uh, 67 or 68 it came out. So privately, like, or is it like- Oh, that's a good question. Fit to, uh, unfit to fly, like, privately? Well, there's been a group um, of sort of rich city, city workers, I think, from London, um, who've tried to buy one and get it recommissioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's so much red tape around that mm-hmm. because, you know, it's not produced anymore. So where are they going to get parts from? Where are they yeah. going to get maintenance from? Where are they going to get guys who are trained to maintain the aircraft? So I guess and I should they... just take it off my wish list. Then. <laughs> I still want that I don't know, it might happen. Um, yeah, it might happen. So, but the hypersonic aircraft that they're talking about, and then you've got Virgin Galactic and aircrafts that will go into yeah. the stratosphere, they would be the next step because, uh, in theory, they could get you from um, like the UK to Australia, which is the other side of the world from here, in like half an hour. Oh. Go up in space, let the Earth sort of rotate, and then you come down on the other side of the planet. Man, you keep so, taking my, my questions from me. So I got one last question for you because we're, we're a bit over our time. But um, <laughs> now nah, this has been for you, really you fascinating. Virgin, uh, Virgin Mobile. They, I mean, Virgin is doing their space thing. Jeff Bezos is with Amazon. They're doing their space thing. Elon Musk, he's doing his space thing. Will you become an astronaut? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love to do it. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I, would, I would love to. If the opportunity arose, I would take it. Well, I, I think it's going to be more because you know, like now, where there's only NASA and you know these few space agencies. But as they get bigger and more arise, I think the opportunities to fly into space are going to become yeah. More. Good point. And, uh, I would. I know you said you'll take me up in a plane, but I definitely would like you to take me up on a rocket ship. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. You're right. That industry is probably going to boom for aviation. Yeah. I did not even think about I, that. I, that's a few generations away, I think. Exponential growth, my friend. Exponential growth. <laughs> we got AIs and, and everything. is. Um, it's The sky is no longer the limit, man. And we're going to get Truth. there a lot faster than, uh, than we think. True, true, true. But we've, you know, we've not been back to the moon for how many years? Like forty years or something, isn't it? I think India is like there now. Is they it? did a, I... a space. They did a space mission. It yes. took them. I didn't know it took. I didn't know it took over a month to get to the moon. I thought it was just like a day trip. Like, uh, like <laughs> we hit the moon. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like, not, that wasn't a manned mission. The one that the India mission to the moon. Um is unmanned. Oh, okay. From, okay. If I, if I, I thought China yeah, I was sure. unmanned. 
China's one was unmanned, but I really thought they had because one of my colleagues, he's pretty big on this, and, and he said there's like they're they're sending people. I could be I could be wrong, but um, and I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe it is. I um I thought it was unmanned anyway. I thought something. Ha- I, I thought I heard on the news something happened to that mission and it went sideways. No. Um. Interesting. I don't know. I had to look that up too. I'm gonna do some additional research too and see what their status is. But I thought it took. It takes longer than, than I anticipated to get to the moon. So. I I recall something like that as well. Between all the all the trash that I'm hearing about Brexit, I heard. I remember something <laughs> about this. Oh man, I, I wanted to ask you that too. Like, we gotta say that for another one. Brexit and the gun thing. We gotta save those two for him, cause that that would be definitely a fascinating conversation. True, dude. We could do an entire episode. Yeah. That. Yo, thank you for coming through, man. For spending some time with us and you know really schooling us on the, the aviation industry and you know its potential futures and everything. And this is a pretty dope conversation. Well, you're most welcome, both of you, and thank you for having me, and thank you for asking such good questions that helped to uh, um, expand my mind as well. Hey, <laughs> yeah, man, it's been a Close pleasure, man. Mind, oh, wow, yeah, thanks, Marcus. It's been an honor. <laughs> Is there uh, anyone you want to shout out before you go? Um, nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I like you guys, but not that much. <laughs> All right. And uh, everyone, thanks for listening, tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And yeah, upgrade America. Peace. 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 Cool. Oh, shit. I didn't mean to do that. Go ahead. Uh, That one.